0: Glad to have you guys with us today. Uh, I want to start out this morning with a uh, quick story, it's just a kind of a word picture that came to mind for me this week. It comes from a story that's told by a Major Gilbert about the British liberation of Palestine. And he says this, he says, Driving up from Beersheba, a combined army made up of British, Australians, and New Zealanders were pressing on the rear uh, of the Turkish Char- Army's retreat over the arid desert. The attack was now well ahead of its water-carrying camel train and water bottles were empty. Uh, the sun blazed pitilessly out of the sky, where vultures wheeled, wielded expectantly. And uh, I'm like, okay, so it's, like it's a little clumsy here, but but you see what's happening, right? They, they are at war. They are out in the desert. They are pursuing uh, an army that is withdrawing, and they are running and attacking and whatever, forward, and they are completely out of water in the middle of the desert. Seem like a good thing or a bad thing? Right. And so you can imagine, This is, he describes it here a little bit later. He says, our heads ached," writes Gilbert, and our eyes became bloodshot and dim from the blinding glare in the desert. Our tongues began to swell, and our lips turned purplish black and burst open from lack of water. I mean, can you imagine? This is horrible. Those who dropped out of the columns were never seen again, he said. They died in the desert. Uh, but those, but we... Uh, But desperate forces battled on to Sharia, he said. At Sharia, uh, if we'd been unable to take it by nightfall, thousands of people would be doomed to die of thirst in the desert. We fought that day, he said, as men fight for their very lives. We entered Sharia Station on the heels of the retreating Turks. And he said, the first objects which met our view were those of great stone cisterns full of cold, clear drinking water. (sighs) right i mean this is the good stuff he said in the still night air the sound of running water into those tanks could be distantly heard maddening in its its nearness yet not a man murmured when the orders were given for the the battalion to fall in two, in a two-person line uh he said for the orders were given let the wounded go first then those on guard duty and then the company two by two by two two at a time uh imagine he said it took more than eight hours for people to get a drink of water again people that were at that point dying of thirst men continued to fall in the column while they're sitting there waiting for water and he said here, here's the part that gets crazy he says as the at first light right as as, uh, as light finally appeared they realized that all the time as these men continued to drop and die of thirst that just 20 feet beyond where they were standing was a low stone wall on the other side of which was tens of thousands of gallons of cool, refreshing water, and I, I, I just was like, man, what an amazing picture! As people are standing in line for hours and hours and hours, again, people continuing to drop and to die of thirst, all the while there is there is fullness waiting for them. All the while there is refreshment. There's exactly what they needed, just on the other side, just standing, it's right there waiting for them we are on week number three. It's our third and final week of a series that we've been doing here at Ignite uh, called Finding the Cure. And this week, I want to talk about the cure for emptiness, the cure for thirst, so to speak. Because I, I talk to people every single week uh, that are thirsty in their souls, that are empty and longing for something more. And I think, to some degree, it's it's a similar sort of picture. Because to some degree, I think a lot of us can say, you know what, we recognize, we can understand that kind of emptiness, that kind of loneliness, that kind of longing in our souls. Some of us even know the right answers, right? If I were to say, how many here think that the, the fullness is found in God? We would raise our hands and say, oh, yes, I believe that. And yet we are dying of thirst in thirst. in reality. We are longing and empty. And all the while, God says, man, there is fullness. There is there's water for your souls. There's the good stuff. There's 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 bread that you can eat and never go hungry again. Like just waiting for you and I if we were to return to God and pursue him and if we would find all that we long for and need in him. Well this is like a major theme that you can see. Lived out of Scripture. In fact, in fact, you can hear uh, many of the, uh, the, the human authors of Scripture are uh, express this kind of hunger and this kind of emptiness, this kind of longing back to God. Psalm uh, 63.1 is one of my favorites. And I just I love. It. It's very similar imagery to the, what we just that story I just told. But it says this: it "Says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. Listen to this. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water." He says, I've seen you in your sanctuary. I beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life, he says. My lips will glorify you. But you hear that longing that he's expressing? He's like, man, I thirst for you like a, like a man dying of thirst, thirst for water. And then he says, and then he goes on to say, man, and I, I have seen you. I've gotten glimpses of you, and I realize that you're where it's at. And your love is better than anything. It's better than anything. Listen to a few of these quotes as well. Erwin Mubanis says this. This is a great quote. He says, Life without God is starvation of the soul. My soul doesn't crave something from God. My soul craves God. And by the way, so does yours, he says. That's why everything else will leave you unsatisfied in the end. Pascal says, Happiness can be found neither in ourselves nor in external things, but in God and in ourselves as we are united to him. This is right from Jesus' own lips. Uh, I referred to this uh, a few weeks ago But uh, he says this Jesus stands and he says On the last and greatest day of the festival or the feast Jesus stood and in a loud voice He says let anyone who is thirsty Come to me and drink Whoever believes in me As the scripture said, rivers of living water Will flow from within them By this he meant the spirit Whom those uh, who believed in him Were later received The question I, I, I find myself asking Is is and as we read through these scriptures, is are you thirsty? And maybe the better question is, do you know you're thirsty? Do you realize that kind of longing in your own soul for God? If so, then Jesus says, Come to me and you will find, right? You'll be come to me drink, and you will find something so that rivers of living water well up from within you. You'll find what it is that your soul craves. Matthew 5. Uh, this is in the Beatitudes. Jesus has a series of comments that are kind of counter cultural, counterintuitive, and he makes statements like, like this one uh, Matthew 5 6. He says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled up. Now, righteousness, literally, I, I usually teach people, like when you hear righteousness, it's one of those churchy words, you think, like, righteous, right? Like, I don't even know what that means, So, like, but we kind of we hear things like again. But literally, righteousness means right relationships. So every time you read that, I want you to think right relationships, right relationship with God, first and foremost, and right relationship with one another. That's, that's righteousness. It's right relationship with God. So he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for right relationships, especially with God, for they will be filled. Now think about this. There, there's, this is the word uh, hunger that gets used here. There's, there's two different Greek words. I'll give you a little Greek accent for today. But there's two different Greek words that you can use for hunger. One is like, oh, I'd like a little, nib, little snack, a little nibble of bread, right? Like just a little taste. The other one is like, I'm famished. I want the whole loaf. Which one do you think is used here? Full loaf. Full loaf absolutely, right? Jesus says, man, blessed are those who hunger, who have like an insatiable hunger hunger and appetite, they want to devour, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for right relationship with me, for I will fill them, he says. Isn't that a great picture? They will be filled. I'll give you one more uh, kind of rapid-fire scripture. Isaiah 55 is a classic Old Testament one, same sentiment. Uh, It says this, it says, this is God speaking to his people, come, he says, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. He says this, why spend money on what is not bread? Why spend your labor on that which does not satisfy? Listen, God says, listen to me and eat what is good. And you, or another translation says, or your soul will delight in the richest affair. Okay, say, come to me and drink. Come to me and eat. Come to me and find fullness that you long for, that you crave. John Eldridge reminds us, he says this, he says, man, back in Jesus' day, Thirsty people tore roofs off of houses to get at Jesus. They literally trampled one another in an effort to get closer to him. People would cry out, screaming for him at the top of their lungs. He said, I've never seen anybody acting like that in order to to serve on some church committee or to hear a boring sermon. No, he says, people like this, uh, people act like this when it's a matter of life and death. Cramps trample one another to get out of a burning building. They press into the mob to reach a food line. When life is at stake and the answer is within reach, that's when you see human desire unmasked in all of its desperation. He's just pointing out, right, people were hungry, they were starving, they were thirsty, and they were willing to rip roofs off of houses to get at Jesus and to find what they needed. You want to know what? Those who did found what they wanted. for. I mean, it's, you might remember this story, right? They, some friends lowered a person that had been uh, not been able to walk for pretty much their entire lives, lowered them before Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and he said, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Right? Not exactly what they were hoping for. Not exactly what, what uh, he, they were expecting. And yet, they got what, what his, his paralytic got, what he needed most. And then God said, oh, and then Jesus said, oh, and by the way, so you know that I have the power to forgive sins, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he did. Amazing kind of picture of hungry people coming to Jesus and finding what their souls craved and needed most. For the rest of our time uh, this morning, I want us to to zero in on a passage of scripture from John chapter 6. And uh, it's a, it, it, too, is about a crowd that is hungry. <laughs> and if you've got your Bibles, you can open them up or you can follow along in the Ignite app or on the screens as well. Uh, but I want you to kind of just walk through this with me. First, a little bit of background. The first part of John chapter 6 is a story that, that many of us might recognize. We've heard it before. I've taught on it many time before. But it's the feeding of the five thousand. So it's a it's a time when Jesus is ministering. He and his disciples are are a. Te- I mean, he's teaching this whole crowd, and and we know that there's at least five thousand men plus women and children that are there with them. And he is he is teaching them about God's kingdom, about how life with God works, all this kind of stuff. And he teaches on and on and on and on and on. And he's I'm like yeah, no, that's a sermon, right? I mean, this is the good stuff. So he's he's teaching. It's going great. And suddenly they realize, man, it's late. People are hungry. They are, I mean, they are, I mean, to the point where he's like, man, the disciples are like, they're going to pass out on the road. They're not going to be able to make it home because they are so hungry and it is so late and it's, they've been out in the heat of the day. And man, these people need food. And so Jesus miraculously feeds them, right? He does it with some loaves and some fish. Anybody remember how many? Yeah, two, five, 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 five loaves and a couple of fish, right? I mean, he kind of, kind of, kind of. Gives them what they need: five small loaves of bread and two small fish. And he prays and he thanks God and he, and he starts feeding people and feeding people and feeding people and feeding people. Right? Mm-hmm. Way beyond what five loaves and two small fish can do. Right? He feeds five thousand men, along with women and children. So probably like eight or ten thousand people he feeds with five, five small loaves and a couple of fish. And if that weren't enough, they go and he has his disciples go and pick up leftovers and they end up with 12 huge baskets full. And so like, I mean this is this is literally what happens directly before. Um, the passage that we're gonna we're gonna jump into now. So, like, they get done with that, it gets it gets dark. I mean, people eat, they have fun, and they're all like, "Woo, it's amazing, it's a miracle, right?" That kind of thing. Jesus ends up walking across <laughs> the water, uh, past his disciples, over to the other side of the lake. And that's where we pick up the story. John chapter six, starting in verse twenty-five, says this: When they, the crowd, right? When the crowd found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, "Rabbi, when did you get here?" Right? <laughs> How did that happen? Uh, and Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. In other words, he's saying they didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't really, they weren't trusting him as God or Savior or anything like that. They had eaten and gotten their fill, and now they were hungry again. They're like, oh, that was good. What, what do you got for breakfast, right? I mean, like, I'm thinking, like, maybe multiply bacon, right? Like, I mean, like, come on, this is something we can get behind what else do you got? It, 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 it's that sort of a that's going on. Verse 27, and Jesus, Jesus' response. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they go on in verse 28, and, and it says, then they ask, well, well, what do we have to do to get God's seal of approval, right? What must we do uh, to do the works God requires? Verse 29, Jesus answered, the work of god is this to believe in the one who has sent him the one he has sent to believe in the one he has sent. This can be verse 30 so they asked him what sign then will you give us so that we can see it and believe you what will you do our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness as it is written he gave them bread from heaven to eat now just pause hit the pause button for one second what did jesus just do right what did he just literally like a few verses before this what did he just done he gave. And what did he feed them? He gave them bread from heaven. He's like, are you out of your mind? It's like, what are you you're asking for a sign? I just gave you the sign. I just gave you the sign. And yet you're asking. Here you are asking me for more. Like they're kind of. Like, That's great. What else you got? That was like the best bread, Casey bread I ever had. Like what else you got? Like you got any more of that? Like kind of thing. It's like what is going on? I think he just had done the miracle, but they want more. Verse thirty two. Jesus answered them, he said to them, very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but it was my Father that gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 34, Sir, they say, always give us this bread. (laughs) And then Jesus declared, listen to this, Jesus declared to them, he said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread of life. Can I pause for one second and just say, man, I found this so fascinating this week. I mean, Jesus is, he's given them the good stuff. He's like, you don't understand it yet, but I'm telling you, the good stuff is found in me, Jesus says. But but, but what are the people consumed with? They're like, we want you to give us what, what we ask you for. Like, Give, give me more. Give me me more of this. I want more bread. Give me another sign. Give me some more miracles. Come on, Jesus, perform for me. Do what I want you to do. And Jesus is like, I don't know if you can get this yet. He's like, but the stuff that I do is not what you need. Right? The the answers to prayer are not primarily what you need. The the, the provision that you're going to ask for, the riches that you want, all these, that's not primarily. I am what you need. Jesus says, I am the bread of life, if you would come to me and feast, you will find food for your souls in such a way that you would never be hungry again. And I just found myself wondering this week, like, man... I wonder how often I miss this, and I wonder how often we miss this, that we can do the same stinking thing. Jesus is doing miracles, right? He has showing himself, and he is calling us to himself, saying, come to me and find what you crave. I get that your souls feel empty. It's because you long for right relationship with God through me, right? So, so would you come to me and eat? And we're like, man, I know, but I, but I really want this. I really want... A nicer car, (laughs) I really want a better working, but I really want like I want all these things and we miss out on the good stuff, right? We miss out on the life that God has for us. Where Jesus is saying, Don't you understand? I am the bread of life, Jesus says, Come to me and you'll find what you need and what your soul craves. physical hunger, right? They were aware that there was an emptiness inside of them. But they were focused on getting the physical stuff to meet it while Jesus said, man, come to me and find what your soul really needs. What your soul really craves. Don't miss this. I don't know, I just found myself just remembering this week and just kind of hearing the call of Jesus saying, man, there is something better. I am the bread of life. I am what you long for, what you crave, what you need. Don't settle for anything less. Don't settle just for stuff of this world. Instead, come to me and find what you need. Um, I kind of lost my place, but we're going to keep going. <laughs> um, how about we just uh, jump to the next part? Verse 51 says this. What the that next slide to you. John 6, starting verse 51, says this. I am the living bread. This is Jesus' response. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread, now this is where it gets a little weird, right? And, and you can even see the people, some of the people get distracted by this. This bread is my flesh, he says, which I'll give uh, for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves. How could this man give us his flesh to eat? What What is he? Animal? I mean, that's what they're thinking, right? Uh, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat of uh, eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. You have no life in you. That's a, that's a jaw-dropping kind of statement. He's saying, if you don't consume me, if you don't fill yourself with me and continue to, if you if you refuse to, to take me into your life and allow me to fill and consume and transform you. If you refuse to let me live my life in you and through you, if you don't eat and drink of you, Jesus says, you have no life in you. He says, you are dead, right? You're dead. You're empty. You're hopeless. You've got nothing. Again, strong, strong words from Jesus, but believe it or not, this is not a bad news passage, it's good news. Right, because he goes on, and, and Jesus is just shooting straight, saying, you need to keep him, and you need to remember that life and fullness, all that you crave and long for in your souls, it's found in one place. Don't listen to me, He, he kind of clears that up here a little bit in 54. Uh, we'll jump ahead. This is Jesus talking, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, Again, is that clear as day? Clear as blood? <laughs> right, you're kinda like, you kinda read that and scratch your head and the, the people of that day did too. They kind of read that. Is he talking I mean, we would read it through the lens of saying, is he talking about communion? Is that what he's is that what he's talking about, the Lord's Supper? But this has way more to do uh way it's talking about way more than just a religious tradition or some sort of ceremony that we can go through. Jesus isn't just talking about taking some bread and eating it and drinking some wine or anything <laughs> like that. No. I mean clearly has It has more to do with just a religious ceremony, more to do uh, than communion. Because we can still eat bread, we can still drink of the cup, and we can still die, uh, like they did in in the desert, in the wilderness. Because communion, even, is symbolic of something much more important. That's what Jesus is talking about here. It's meant to point us to the real bread from heaven. This passage is about about something much, much more than communion. It's not just bread. It's not just juice or wine, Jesus is saying. It's not about those things at all. It's about me, Jesus is saying. I am the true bread. Eat and you'll live. Come and feast in me and find the fullness and life that you crave. Find the relationship with me that you are made for life is only found in Jesus the imagery that he's using here kind of reminds us of his sacrifice intentionally it reminds us of his life of his death on the cross right for our sins and for his resurrection the, this talk of body and blood reminds us specifically of a sacrifice on the cross so that you and i can be forgiven through faith in christ so that we can be brought back into right relationship with god so that we can receive new life and live with him forever What Jesus is saying here is, he's saying there's no forgiveness without me. There's there's no such thing as fullness without me. There's no hope without me. There's no life even without me. It's only found in one place. So Jesus says, come to me and feast. Come to me and draw near. Come to me and find life. Come to me and receive and drink and be filled in such a way. Be transformed in such a way. Take Jesus in in such a way that you will Don't look anywhere else. Don't go anywhere else. Don't be content to be filled elsewhere. Don't settle for anything else in life and fullness and salvation and hope. It's only found in relationship with Jesus Christ. Now I have to say, uh, this is, I was thinking this, this is a little bit of a tangent maybe, but I was thinking about it. This week, and just thinking, it's interesting because in the West and in the U.S. especially, we tend to think of our place of emotions, the place of our our soul or will, all that kind of stuff. We refer to it as our heart, right? We, we refer to, like when we, when we express love to somebody, we say, "I love you with all of my heart," right? We, we we tend to do that. Now it's interesting. Uh, I mean, we talk about that even spiritually. Right? We talk about opening up our heart or giving our hearts to Jesus and that kind of thing. we're, and we're referring to, like, you know, our, our wills, submitting our wills, opening up and expressing our emotions to God and that kind of thing. Now, it's interesting. That's the Western kind of approach. The Eastern sort of approach, uh, more like in the biblical context, the Jewish Middle Eastern mindset, wouldn't talk about the heart in that kind of way. They think of the seat of emotions and will and spirit and all that kind of stuff. They would refer to it not as the heart, but as the literally the gut or your bowels, <laughs> literally, which, which I was thinking about this week thinking, man, that would make some sweet Valentine's cars, don't you think? <laughs> it's like heart-shaped. It's like, I love you with all of my small intestine, right? I'd be like, that's kind of a weird thing. You get some candy or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I digress. But anyway, but, you know, it, it, it's interesting when you think of it, like starting with the stomach and on through, the job of the gut or the bowels or whatever you want to say is literally, literally to, nur- to take the, the food and to nourish, right? To get the nourishments out of it and it goes into our body. It's actually what feeds us. It's where it's where we get nutrients and, and all that kind of stuff gets absorbed into our bodies through a um, part of that system, right? And so it's, it's interesting as, as, again, keeping in mind the whole, the whole perspective here, as, as Jesus is saying, he's, he's talking and there's, the, the people are hearing into that day, they're like feasting. Feast on me and find the nourishment. Love me with all of your gut, right? With all of your bowels and find what you need. Feast on. It's an interesting picture of us finding what we need. Let me take a couple of tangents here. There's a, there's actually a plant uh, that's uh, that's found in Australia. I forget the name of it off the top of my head. But it, they actually make it into porridge and eat it, and that kind of stuff. And scientists have actually done some study on it and found this thing, it, although it's food, it literally has zero nutrients necessary for sustaining life. And so what these uh, scientists have said is that it's actually possible for you, if you were to, to eat a diet of this porridge alone, your stomach could be full, and yet you could die from starvation, right? You could die from having none of you, wouldn't keep you alive, has none of the nutrients, none of the building blocks necessary to sustain life. And when I start, I'm putting all this together for you in a picture, but, but when I start reading this picture, this, this passage and start thinking about it, I start thinking, man, I wonder how often it is that we stuff ourselves when we feel empty or lonely or uh, just like stuff isn't going our way when we're feeling bad, how often do we stuff ourselves with things that, with food that doesn't last, with food that has none of the nutrients necessary for us to live, for us to find fullness, because we're not turning to Christ, Right? instead we're looking in other people, or we're looking in our success, or we're looking in our, you know, achievement, or our pursuit of money, or pleasure, or stuff, or we just numb it with alcohol, or we Disney Plus and Netflix and whatever. We, we try to do it to death on, on that kind of stuff. And we're we're feasting and we're filling our guts with stuff that does not last, with stuff that's empty, with stuff that literally, I mean, Jesus said, man, your forefathers ate manna in the desert and they died. I wonder why. Because they missed it. Because something better was there and they didn't find it. Some did, but most didn't. And it's like, it's so often it seems like we do the same thing. Even those of us that would say we're Christ followers. We are, we are looking for fullness and satisfaction. We're looking for food in all the wrong places. Meanwhile, Jesus is crying out to his church. He's crying out to the world and saying, I am the bread that you long for. I am the only thing that will bring life to, to your, not just bodies, but souls for eternity, but I'm the only thing that will bring fullness and life to you in the here and now, in tomorrow, in the next day, and the next day, and the next day, on through you to eternity. Can I ask, where are you feasting these days? Where are you setting your gaze? Right? What are you investing your life in? Is, is it that you're saying, man, I want to, I want, I'm coming to Jesus again and again and again and again, opening up my heart, my life, pursuing him and seeking him and following him and finding all that I need, not just in what comes from his hands, not just in his provision or what he can give me or what he can do for me, but in my finding life in him? I want you to think about that. If you're honest, would you step back and say, yeah, I mean, I I, I think that's me, or would you say, you know what, I'm spending a lot of my days feeding myself on stuff that will If so, I think Jesus is just crying out to us today. And he's just saying, you know what? Come to me if you're thirsty. Come to me if you're hungry. I am the bread of life. Come to me and live. In fact, there's, let me just, uh, I'm going to quickly, in the passage we just read, I just want you to, those who come to him, those who come to him to find fullness, I want you to, want you to hear some of the things that he says. He says, uh for those that, that feast on me, Jesus says, for those that, that are, that are you know, saturating themselves with me, they're pursuing and whose eyes and hearts and bowels and everything are, are set on He says, I will fill you with food that endures to eternal life, he says. I will fill you so that you will never be hungry or thirsty again. He says he will satisfy you, right? He will give you eternal life. He will remain in you and you will remain in him. You will live forever. He promises to raise you up at the last days. And he promises that you won't die, but will have everlasting life. That is what is available to you and me. Why would we go anywhere else? Why would we go anywhere else? I'll do a little application to be done for the day. Um, first thing, first thing first, right? I mean the kind of the basic building block of this whole deal, Jesus says, is for those who believe in me, for those who put their faith and trust in me, he says, come and you will find life and fullness. You know, that kind of stuff. And I don't know where you're at with God, but but if you have never done that before, man, this is where it starts. And this is kind of the, the thrust of the passage. Jesus says, don't go anywhere else. The problem is that we try to go to all these places, but then we get hungry again, don't we? We get there's I can remember John worked one time uh, using uh, the McDonald's Happy Meal as sort of a metaphor. He said the problem with Happy Meals is the happy wears off, right? <laughs> and then we need then we need another one, and we need we need another toy, we need another toy, and we need all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's so good. The happy wears off of everything else except Jesus. And so the 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 starting point is, man, if you're here and you have never really opened up your, your faith, you know, put your faith and trust in Christ, man, would you do it today. Why spend your money and your labor and your life on things that will not satisfy, on food that will not endure? And say, Jesus says, come to me. If you've never done it, do it today. Second, some of us have done that. And yet if we're honest... We've been stuffing ourselves with all the wrong stuff, and we still find our souls longing and empty. We find ourselves frustrated because things aren't working out, because maybe God's not coming through the way we want him to. He's not doing for us, you know, exactly what we want, exactly what our, our, uh, our checklist would, would have him do or whatever. And if that's the case, I just wonder if, if, uh, if God, if Jesus isn't speaking to you and to me today too, just saying, man... It's not what comes from my hand that you need. It's me. Maybe it's time for us to say, God, would you forgive us for so often going to other things, for trying to feast on all the stuff this world has to offer, looking for fullness and purpose and life and direction in all our own places instead of just coming to you, friends. There's water, right? There's. It's just waiting for us. There's life, there's food, there's fullness, but it's only found in Jesus Christ. And so For those of us that are Christ followers, maybe it's time for us to lay those other things down and say, God, would you you forgive me? I come to you this morning and and just proclaim with my lips and my heart or my bowels or whatever, I proclaim that you are what I need. You are what I want. You are what I look for. Would you forgive me for going everywhere else? And would you teach me to walk with you, to live with you in the power of your spirit? I can remain in you and you in me and live out that right relationship that you have in store. Teach me to do that. I was thinking this week as well, another application step is, in this story right? that we're, we're talking about, There's there were people that were, um, that had had their fill. They, they'd, they'd eaten and they'd been around Jesus. They'd seen what he could do. They'd even eaten some of the bread and the fish that he had provided, and yet they missed Him, right? They miss the good stuff. And I just was was thinking this week, man, how easy it is for that to happen, even in the church, right? We can show up to church all the time. We can be here every Sunday. We can serve on teams. We can do all the right stuff, right? We can have all the right externals, but we can miss out. I mean, we can keep coming to God like that. of like, God, I want you to do this for me. I want you to do this for me. I want you to do this for me. And yet, we still have to settle the deal. We've missed him. As my Savior and my God and my kingdom, the one that my soul needs. Do you know what I'm saying? And I just I just wonder if if that if that's you and that's some of us here today. I wonder if if maybe God does not just saying, Man, it's time to lay that stuff down and just recognize that He is the one you need. Just say, Man, God, Jesus, I don't want to miss the life that you have for me. I don't I don't want to just eat bread in the desert and die. I want to feast with you and on you and drink in your spirit and live my life with you and for your glory, for your pleasure, in such a way that I remain in you and you and me and I live with you forever and never die. One more kind of random thought. I found myself uh, thinking about this weekend. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this uh, in the upcoming week. Maybe you want to join me. But I'm like, you know, for me, uh, really, I think. Uh, media stuff like movies Netflix Disney uh, even phone stuff or whatever is is something that I can so easily eat right I can so easily go to uh, on a regular basis and it's the stuff that it will not last a second will it? I mean it's the kind of stuff I can feast on and die in the desert and, uh, and for me I'm gonna I'm gonna spend some time this week fasting from some of that kind of stuff maybe you want to join me and instead just say you know I want to I want to create some space in my life so that I can uh, drink it and feast on Jesus if you will. I want to spend some extra time in his work. I want to spend some extra time praying and just drawing close to and, uh, and being reminded of his goodness and the good plans and the fullness and the life that only comes from him. Maybe you want to do that and join me in that this week. Well, I don't know what God's saying to you, but man, I want to, I want us to be in church that learn this, right? That <laughs> and, and really take this, that live this stuff out, that don't just settle for snacking and all kinds of stuff, that won't last, but we live our lives focused in and connected to remaining in, uh, the God, the Savior, the King that our souls crave and we long for. And let's close in prayer. Father, that's our cry this morning. Would you uh, would you just come? Speak to our hearts. Would you draw us close? Lord, forgive us for so often and so easily turning to other things, things that will not last. All the while you offer us life with you, something better. And this morning, we just want to, to open wide the doors of our hearts and just invite you in and just pray, God, that you would come, that you would fill us, that you would consume us, That you would fix our eyes on you, Jesus. That you would be the thing that our hearts crave and long for. That we'd recognize that and live that out in our lives. I pray this week, God, that you would uh, help us to prioritize that relationship, that right relationship with you. That we would create space to pray and to bask in your word and drink in from your presence, your spirit. That you would bring us to life in ways that nothing in this world ever. we give our hearts, we give our lives, we give our all to you. We pray, come and have your way. And your kingdom come and you will be done.